Welcome to the Build Your Coaching Business Podcast. We'll talk about how to start, grow, and enjoy your coaching business. Plus, we'll dig into the failures and lessons we've learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Today, I have a special guest for you, career coach, Susie Oh no, I should have asked how to say your last name. <laughs> we can start over. Solaviv? Yeah, rhymes with Genevieve. Yes. Solaviv. Solaviv. <laughs> I got it. I remember you teaching me that last time and I was like, and then I saw it and I panicked. Susie Solaviv. Got it. Su- Susie Solaviv, who's a career coach for recovering perfectionists. And today I, I want to just share with you her growth, you guys. And I think that one of the most beautiful things about bringing in somebody who's built their business is that it reminds each and every one of you how possible it is for you that right. When we, when we go out into the normal world, we, we look at people who build businesses and they're in tall buildings or they're, you know, they look fancy. And as coaches, we're like, we're doing this online or we're doing this with in-person networking. And I think every time we can hear somebody's success, then we have a chance to realize how possible it is. And so Susie today is going to be sharing her success and the journey of that along the way. And I am going to be here to ask her all the questions that if you guys were in the room with her, you would want to ask her too, so that she can tell us all the things. So welcome Susie. I am so happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So before we recorded, we were kind of talking about some of your growth and I just choose, there's tons of ways we could measure this. And I love to measure it in terms of doubling your business and halving your business (laughs) because there are things that we want to double and there are things we don't want to double. In fact, we don't want to take them with us to the same extent. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Like when you think about doubling and halving in your business, what do you think about how does that, like, how does that impact you when you think in business terms? I mean, I think my brain always naturally goes to the money because that's kind of the sexiest thing. Like it's so fun to see a bigger number coming in every month. Um, I also, I, if you were asking me this question a few months ago, even like maybe six months ago, for example, I would have probably said, Oh, I want to double my clients because a bigger number is better. And now I'm not really sure that that's the case. Now I think I'm more interesting in what I can cut in half. Ooh, tell us more. So like we were talking about right before this call started, um, we, last year I had 28 different offers and I worked with 40 something people this year. I only had one offer and I worked with 23 people and I am at exactly double my income right now from last year. Yes. Let me just repeat that for all of you. Cause sometimes I know you're listening to other things or you're not listening to other things, but you're doing other things. You're moving. You're not, your brain is not focused here. hundred percent. Susie just said that she had 28 different offers and sold it like right. 28, 40, 28 yeah. people, 28 offers to 40 people, mm-hmm. 28 offers last year to 40 people. And this year you had one offer and 23 mm-hmm. clients and you've already doubled your income. That's correct. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. And I talk about fun and I don't ever really mean fun as in like, woohoo, but like simplicity and like less craziness. And tell me the impact of that for you. When you think about 28 offers, what's the impact of only having one? I think the biggest impact, well, it's like kind of a snowball effect really, First of all, you have to accept, and I I coach recovering perfectionists. So you have to accept that you're not perfect and the offer is not perfect and you will naturally want to change it. Um, But accepting that it's a good offer and seeing how it works and welcoming the people who come, uh, that changes things. Before, like I was looking at my offers and I was thinking, oh, this didn't sell. So it means it wasn't good enough. So I've got to come up with something else. I've got to come up with something flashy and accessible and all that jazz. And um, honestly, it just took up a lot of my personal time. (laughs) So the snowball effect is that I was always trying to make it better. And that meant that I spent all my time thinking about it because I was never happy with it. And now I just have my one offer. 
I have accepted it. I am excited about it. I know it works. When people come to me and talk to me, I actually know what to say to them instead of trying to make up what they want to hear. And then I can leave my work behind and go play Animal Crossing, which is like all I really want to do when I'm not working. <laughs> I love that. I was like, people might think we're really fancy with coaching. Like, oh, what do we do in our free time? Like, I just play Animal Crossing. What do you, what do you think I do? <laughs> I read sci-fi. What are you talking about? <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So I think that's such a cool thing because basically what you were saying, and I think that this is what a lot of coaches experience, especially new coaches who are struggling to make money or they think they're struggling and really they're just creating the struggle, right? Because they have 28 offers. And I mean, what I heard you saying in there is that you were changing your offer because you wanted to try to accommodate other people. You were telling yourself that something was wrong with the offer. It needed to be better and keeping yourself really busy with it. And all I heard you say in there that the difference was, is you just kind of decided your offer was great and like kept selling yourself on it. And maybe you said this before, but it's like, you still want to change your offer. You just choose not to. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Right. Um, now I am going to add a second offer next year, but I am taking it so incredibly slowly. And for this whole year, I've just been thinking like, oh my gosh, next year is when I get to do my second offer. I get to get it right this time. It's going to be amazing. Um, or, and then that also gave my brain the time to start thinking like, oh, wow, a second offer, that's going to be really terrible. And it's not going to sell <laughs> just do that little mental dance back and forth between the two. Um, till I got to a point of acceptance where it's like, yeah, I'm going to have another offer next year. It'll happen. <laughs> we'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah. And what I love about that is it's like, there's so many people in the mastermind where it's like, that's the work we're doing is every bit of work that comes up when you think about moving on to your next offer, because there is stuff that comes up and it's very normal stuff. And yet I think we're just taught to like shove it aside and we think it's true. And so we try and solve for it. And it takes up a lot of time that could be used on other things, trying to solve for like the brain drama apart from it as a thought. Yeah. Like animal crossing. We could be doing that. <laughs> yes. So you have doubled your business. We were kind of talking about numbers. So 2020, yes. you said you created $24,000 in your business mm -hmm. and worked with 23 different clients. Um, no, no, that was this year, 40 different people, 28 offers. Yeah. And then this year, I mean, as of the end of November, you're already at 47,000 mm -hmm. on track to finish at 60. So tripling last year, mm -hmm. when you think about what growth, like, what did you think growth was going to look like, right? Like last year, what did you think growth would look like to triple this year? Hmm. I had a very different idea of what this year is going to look like. So, and a lot of things happened this year that forced me into radical acceptance of myself um, and of my limitations. Um, basically in, I had thought this is the year I'm going to make hundred K because there's a, there's actually a meme about this. Like, um, life coaches who use the model, uh, like you have the circuit, like the circumstances blank, the T is blank, the F and A are blank. And the R is hundred K <laughs> like that seems to be the goal everyone's going for. So like, that was what I thought was going to happen was I was going to magically make it to hundred K and that would make me a valid human and a valid mm -hmm. coach and everything would be lovely from then on. Um, and what actually happened is that I had major health issues early in the year. I was misdiagnosed with cancer and ended up having to have surgery for stage four endometriosis. And to be clear, I'm fine. I'm actually much healthier now than I was and not in pain anymore, which is swell. Um, but I had to accept the fact that I was facing an uncertain future I didn't know what my health situation was going to look like, if I was going to be in chemo, if I was going to be out for months and months. And I had to decide for myself that I was not, once again, that I was not going to give up on my business. Um, and it, it was already like that decision had been made. Like at some point in my first round of the mastermind with you, I accepted that my business was real and it wasn't going away and I was committed to it. So when I hit the health crisis, during the second mastermind, 
I was able to say, okay, well, this will be harder than I thought it would. Um, and maybe I won't hit my goal exactly, but I am still going to keep moving forward. And I'm, this is also a big difference. I'm going to trust that my clients are going to come along with me for this ride. Mm. And they did. They were so kind and so lovely through the uncertainty. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I'm trying not to cry when I think about how kind they were. <laughs> um, you know, the thing with recovering perfectionists is that we're all really hard on ourselves and we forget that other people can be nice to us. Mm. So, because we're not being nice to ourselves. So I had to practice a ton of self-compassion, a ton of acceptance for where I was at every moment and what I was capable of at every moment and really take care of myself first and trust that through taking care of myself, I would also be taking care of my business. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't hit my hundred K. Oh, well, <laughs> big deal. I still made a solid living. Um, and I actually had a meeting with my accountant last week that, okay. The other thing about recovering perfectionists is we really like external validation. So my accountant told me, <laughs> I'm just so impressed with how well you did this year with everything you were dealing with. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I did a good job. <laughs> yeah. That is pretty cool. Cause I think it was, it was the, you found out you had, they diagnosed you with cancer. I think it was at the end of the first mastermind and yeah. you like had to redecide in the middle of that. Like, am I going to do another round? And you might have found out you were misdiagnosed right around that time, but you were still in the thick of it and like committing to your business and deciding like, Nope, this is what I'm doing. And this is who I'm doing it with. And like, this is what it looks like. And I mean, we just look at almost tripling your business this year on track to triple over mm -hmm. last year, even with all of that uncertainty, I, I want to ask you the same question, but in a slightly different way, because what I'm hearing you say is that last year you had a lot of offers and you spent a lot of time thinking about your offers in your business. And this year you've had one offer and lots of uncertainty and change in your personal life with your health. And I mean, right. Kid going back to school and just all mm -hmm. the normal things other people are experiencing too, plus your own stuff. What, I mean, if you had to sum up, like, what did it take for you to almost triple your business this year? Like, like what's the difference? What's the difference between this year and last year when you think about what you did or what you chose or what you believed? I chose to give myself what I needed and not what I thought my business needed. Okay. So let me stop you there. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is when you give yourself what you need, instead of what you think your business needs, you make money. Yes. 100%. Tell me more about that. What did you need versus what you thought your business needed? So I used to believe, especially when I started my business, um, that I needed to be working all the time to be mm -hmm. legitimate. I needed to always be coming up with ideas, always be posting, always responding to people, um, getting my name out there. I like made up quotas for myself, which isn't a bad thing in and of itself. But like when you make up kind of unrealistic quotas, it's, it's not great for the recovering perfectionist within. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah. So instead of doing that stuff, I just started napping a lot. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm really tired and I need a rest. And, um, in some ways finding out I had a chronic illness helped with that because it's like, oh, there's a reason I'm tired. It's because my body really needs the rest. Um, so I, I've been on this whole personal journey this year of learn, relearning how to listen to my body. And, uh, although most people I don't think are in as drastic a situation as I was, I think that with people who are recovering perfectionists, we all have to learn to re-listen, like relearn how to listen to our body. We're so used to saying, no, 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 I can push things as far as they'll go. Um, you know, I'm going to push until I break because that's the way I'm going to prove it. And it's actually, it's like, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go rest. So, yeah, so I definitely cut in half the amount of time I spend working on my business. Yeah. I like barely post on my Instagram anymore. Um, and the clients just keep showing up. I get a lot of referrals. Okay. So I've kind of like 
I think the other thing is that I like, I've just started lean, part of resting is leaning into what's working and not trying to push things that you think should be working. Mm. Yeah. Like seeing what's working and then doing more of it, but it's like seeing what's working actually takes effort and focus to do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know all this, like, like, this is what I teach. This is what I keep encouraging you to do. Right. Like, (laughs) but if I weren't me and I weren't in this relationship with you of like watching you do this and encouraging you and coaching you, I would be looking at you with the most crazy face. Like, what are you talking about, Susie? How can you double your business? Have only one offer, uh, be sick, be like, like nap more. Like that does not make any sense. Half the time you work, like that doesn't make any sense, but why does it make sense? It makes sense. And this is something I learned from you because having a business is not like having a job. That's true. Our entire system, and this is something I talk to my clients about, our entire system is set up to prepare us for a traditional office job or factory job where we go in, we like punch in, we put in our hours, we're really well behaved. um, We have a set way to rise in the ranks and then we go home and we have this like whole separate life at home that doesn't overlap with our work. And that is not how work works anymore. And it's definitely not how having a business works. Um, With having a business, you get to decide how much you're going to work. You get to decide who you're going to work with. And you can choose to make that hard for yourself, or you can choose to make it as easy as possible. Tell me more about that. So when you're making it hard for yourself, what did that mean? Oh my gosh. Um, I posted nonstop. Um, I felt like from, I had from like the belief of what, like what belief drove you to oh. post nonstop? Or the feeling the belief I think was that if I wasn't working, then my business wasn't real. Mm. If I wasn't actively doing and creating and putting stuff out there, um, then it wasn't real and it was going to go away. You know, it felt like I had a very tenuous hold on it. Yeah. Uh, so that was one of the ways you made it hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. So when you just think about how you made your business easy on yourself, I think, I think one of the ways you made your business not easy on yourself. And you kind of said this was you stopped thinking of it as a job and you switched the paradigm, which I just think of it as like, it's a lens. We look at our life and our business through, and we take away the rules we think exist. So when you think about very specific rules or like ways you let go, like, how did you let your business be easy? I let go of the idea of being professional Mm. and all the things I had associated with professional. And I had to let go of the idea of legitimacy and legitimacy coming from the outside. Yes. Um, The external validation. And what do you do instead? I mean, cause there's people listening to this and they're like, no, I'm pretty sure making hundred K or some external validation is going to tell me that my business is real and that I'm good enough and that I'm a good coach and that this is going to work in the future. If you aren't getting your validation from that, where are you getting it? That's a really good question. Some of it comes, I mean, the bulk of it, I'd say comes from working with my clients and rejoicing in their transformations and the things that they do and the way that they change and trusting that process, trusting the magic of that process. Um, But on, but the majority of it is that I don't, I don't need that validation in the same way because now I've created a life outside of work that where, you know, I, again, play a lot of animal crossing, but really like I do the things that I like doing and I don't try to force myself to work all the time if there's no point to the work. Yeah. So I'm trying, and again, this is actually something I teach my clients too. You know, like, I feel like we all teach the things we know how to, we need to learn. Um, I, we talk a lot about finding joy and filling your cup outside of work and how, if you're getting your satisfaction elsewhere, then you're not going to need the validation in the same way from your job. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about like, for myself, I just give it to myself. I just Mm -hmm. walk around talking to myself, like, good job, Elizabeth. Like, whoa, (laughs) 
Because it's like, every time I think I want something from someone else, I'm like, oh, it's my job to give it to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I love all of that, right? Like getting it from some, getting it, like having a full life because nobody signs up to build a business. And they're like, man, I sure wish I could lose myself and obsessing about business for the rest of my life just to make money. And yet that's what we do because we think that's what has to be done. So well, that's the model we've always been presented with. Like, look at what the media feeds us. Look at all of the like movies that we that we have out there. Look at all of the Christmas rom-coms, man. There are these businesswomen and they go to these small towns and everything is holiday-tastic. And all of a sudden they remember how to have fun and then they quit their jobs and they like open a bookstore or whatever. Um, and I hate to say this, but life is not like that. <laughs> If you quit your job to work in the bookstore in the holiday-tastic town, eventually the bookstore is going to feel like work. You know, work is always going to feel like work at some point and you might enjoy it, but wouldn't you have been better off keeping the like $200,000 salary and just like working remote? Maybe. I don't know. I I watch those same things and I think about like, like the woman, cause it's me, right. I would be the woman. If I would have, if I would have been committed to corporate ladder, whatever, if I didn't know I wanted to be an entrepreneur from the very beginning, obviously I would have done the next best thing, which is found a way to win. And how mm. would I win? I would have climbed the ladder. And I think those Christmas movies, it's like, they're offensive to me as that woman, because I'm like, it doesn't, if we quit and we go do library, whatever, it's like, it doesn't honor the drive we have in ourselves to build and create and like create something from nothing. And it's like, that is such a, a beautiful thing that we have. And it's like, instead they, they, they depict it as a problem and they show our worst, which our worst is we would work to death, but the best is that we want to be balanced humans and win at whatever we're choosing. And it's like, I think we can have it all. I think we can build multi-million dollar coaching businesses working part-time and loving all the things of our life. Yeah. I would still um, be willing to visit the holiday tastic town, though, just for the record. <laughs> and I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep watching all the holiday movies. To be clear, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, I think that's so cool. So let's talk about some of the things that you have. Cause in the mastermind, we talk about doubling things and we talk about halving things mm-hmm. and for everybody listening, basically doubling, right. It could be anything, right? Like definitely clients and money. I think I was looking at the numbers and 80% of this last round of the mastermind all doubled clients or money, but there are also other things that have to happen to, to double. Um, and so we'll talk about some of those, but the other element of this is halving. And it's a really weird word because it's basically like a 50% discount (laughs) of things we take away because when we build a business, we don't want to build, we don't want to double the income and double the pressure. We don't want to double the income and double the amount of stress or overwhelm or uncertainty. And so there are always things or like lack of structure, right? There are certain things we don't, it's not just emotions, but actual physical things in our business. So Susie, let's talk about some of the things you've doubled and then we'll talk about some of the things you have. Okay. So we talked about the income. Um, I started with doubling my monthly income and then it ended up doubling for the year. Nice. And And then- Sorry, go ahead. When you think about doubling your monthly income, because I know you said this was like your second highest month of the year so far in November. When you thought about doubling in the past, like I know I introduced that as a thing where I'm like, yeah, totally possible. Everybody let's do it. Mm -hmm. Did you think that was possible? Just month over month doubling. You know, there, there, I think when you are again, recovering from perfectionism, it's not as simple as saying, I believed I could. It's like, there's this desperate part of you that wants it to be true. That calls itself belief. And then there's also a part of you that's like, "Mm, you're never going to be good enough to do that. So it's not so much believing that it was possible. I believe that it's like possible in this. I believed it was possible in this vague general floaty out there way. Like, sure. Yeah. That happens to people. Then there's this desperate part of me that was like, and I want it to happen to me and I'm going to force it to happen and it's going to happen. And then there's the the third part of me underneath that's going, that's not going to happen. You're going to keep making $2,000 a month forever. That's it. Yeah. And that thing you're talking about right there. It's like, when you say that, 
I experience the same thing, which mm. means, and I mean, everybody I coach too. So it's like, as people who are listening to this, I want you to know that what she just explained is totally normal, but most people aren't aware that they're thinking that thought. Most people aren't aware that they're being like, I, I got it this weekend where I had this panicky feeling. I was like, I just immediately started to, why did I feel panicky everybody? Because I had a thought. I just had this like flash of a vision of something that I didn't want to happen, happen. And in that moment, I was completely panicked in my, my, my I felt so panicky because my brain and I were convinced it was probably real. It wasn't real to be clear. <laughs> When I was, my brain just like immediately was panicking. But what you're saying is, is like, you have this like thought, I want it to be true. I think it's possible. And you have this thought that's like, it'll probably never happen. You'll just keep repeating the same thing. And I want everybody to hear that that's totally normal. Like that is the work of the tools we use is that we're just, we're balancing our own mind. We're creating a space where it's like, we can have both of those beliefs and remember that we have a plan and like, come back to the plan and be like, yep, all these thoughts are coming with me. <laughs> like these are thoughts. And it's like, that's why I'm feeling this. And like being able to move forward with that, like that is how coaches build businesses. I think that I have doubled my, both my self-acceptance and my belief in my business as something that is real and alive and resilient. Yeah. Um, and I've doubled my trust in it, which is really, really important. Um, I mean, it helps to have some evidence. Like now that I've gone through two years of being totally full-time on my own, um, I have started to see patterns. And so I've been able to give myself some new thoughts like, like, oh, well, this is just part of the pattern. You know, I have low month, low month, high month, low month, low month, high month. Like that's just how it works. Ooh, um, yeah. and that's okay. Yes. <laughs> like, Oh, can I tell you, can I give you some super, uh, life coaching numbers, like yeah. coaching business numbers. Okay. So in July I made 2,500 in August, I made 12,000. And in September I made 2750. <laughs> Yes. I'm glad you see this because I remember in the mastermind, this was one of the things we talked about where one of the people was like, no, something's gone terribly wrong because I have a low month. And it was a, it was a teaching moment of like, yeah, that's what business is. Business mm -hmm. is a $2,500 month, a $12,000 month, and then a $2,700 month. And yeah. it's like the resiliency to move forward is when you can like develop a normal normalcy, some sense of normalcy around that. Yeah. In saying like, yeah, this is how business goes. Like, this is how it works. And like continuing forward in spite of it or with it. Mm -hmm. And this month I'm at 9,250 today, but I have a couple of outstanding invoices and I'm, you know, I'm waiting on those and maybe they'll come in this month and maybe I'll break 10 K again this month. And maybe I won't. And that's fine. Like maybe my clients will pay in two days. I'll still get yes. the money eventually. So doubling that trust in, um, in the money to appear and in the clients to keep coming. That's been a big thing this year. I think, I think that's really important because you said self-acceptance trust and what was the other emotion or thing? Did I say self-compassion? Maybe. I mean, that's kind of similar to self-acceptance. Yeah. Those don't seem like if we were going to be interviewing somebody who's building a business, those don't sound like your typical things where you're like, yeah, these are the things I've doubled. Why did that make a difference for you? I think because I am my business and I really didn't want to be my business. You know, I wanted my business to be separate from me and it is in many ways, but at the same time, I also am the business. I am the common denominator. Um, so by learning how to take care of myself, I've learned how to take care of my greatest business asset. Yeah. When yeah. I can function at a higher level, I can serve my clients better. I can show up the way I want to show up. Um, yeah. And, and they can feel it. They can feel the difference when I'm excited to be there and it's not just a slog. And what's the difference when you say something like self-trust, I think that could be sometimes a coachy term where normal people don't really use that, but you kind of used it in reference to like, I've already had these conversations with people. I already know money's coming. And so it sounds like the opposite of self-trust would have looked like what, like worrying about the money and like, what would like the self-trust is like, yeah, the money's coming. 
But what would non-trust have looked like? I think of self-trust as relaxing and non-trust as clenching. Hmm. So like, would the money still come? Yeah, maybe, probably. Um, But I would be so... Well, first of all, I'd be, I'd have back pain because I'd be physically clenched. Um, but second of all, I wouldn't have enjoyed any of it. And then third of all, it's really hard to make sales when you are all tight. <laughs> yeah. So anything I can do to allow myself to have the physical feeling of relaxation is helpful for my business. Um, and also in terms of the other thing about self-trust is the, uh, was it you or Stacy who talks about how showing up at 20% is still like more than most people <laughs> show up at? Like I used to think I had to show up at hundred percent all the time mm. in order to be successful. But the reality is that, uh, I can't, <laughs> I like no one can, Yeah, no one can. So I trust that I will even out between like overall to showing up at like 70% the majority of the time. Yeah. Cause I think even when you think that as that's definitely something I think about and talk about, it's like, that does require self-trust and the self-trust is my capacity at 20% is still great. Mm-hmm. Like my capacity at 20% is still higher and further along than my clients and my excellence never goes away. And me at a hundred percent is like, it's like, it's our most creative. It's our most like enjoyment and like everything is flowing. But I think that's one of the worst things we do to ourselves is expect ourselves to be at high capacity flow, everything for any long period of time. Like that's exhausting. Yeah. Oh, the other thing about self-trust is also that, um, I've started to recognize just like I recognize patterns in my business. I recognize patterns in myself and my own energy. And so now without realizing it, I used to think like, oh, when I'm in this bad state, I'm going to stay in this bad state forever. And some of that is like anxiety and depression, things I go to therapy for, but some of it is also like, it's my thoughts (laughs) and that can be addressed with coaching. Um, so realizing that I have uptimes and downtimes. And if there are downtimes, that means the uptimes will come again. Um, that, that was huge. And when you think about trusting yourself as thoughts that are towards the future, mm-hmm. what are you really trusting in about yourself? Cause there has to be some base thing you now believe about yourself to trust that maybe wasn't as solid or formed before. I've always had the thought I take care of myself Um, but the feeling that comes from that thought has changed. So it used to feel like steely resolve. (laughs) I take care of myself. Um, Cause you even felt a little selfish about it. Right. I remember that being one of the emotions. Yeah. Yep. That's right. I've kind of forgotten that. And now I think when I think I take care of myself, um, it just uh, it comes back to that feeling of relaxation. I'm able to sort of ease into it and take comfort from that thought. Like, yeah. It's almost like that's a way you're loving yourself. You're feeling mm-hmm. love of yourself when you remember to do it and do it. Yeah, exactly. Who do you trust yourself to be? Like when you're trusting yourself, who do you trust yourself to be or come back to? Well, I always trust myself to be in integrity. Okay. Which is very important to me. Um, I trust myself to know if someone is a good fit or not. Mm. And I trust myself to be able to turn on that thing that creates clients when I need to. Yeah. And why is that valuable? Especially when you're not creating clients in the moment sometimes. Well, the reason that it, uh, the reason it's so valuable is because I didn't know that that thing existed before. And that's why I was pushing myself to work all the time and pushing myself to be at a hundred percent. Um, whereas now I know I can turn it off and turn it on. Yeah. And that that's normal. Like, yeah, I'm not going to be in creating client modes hundred percent of the time. Sometimes yeah. I have to go back to it. Yeah. One of the questions in your daily work, um, is, are you in client creation mode today? And I always felt like I had to answer that. Yes. So I would sit there and go through my thought work until I could come up with a way to be, to be like, yes, 
I'm in client creation mode because I decided that client creating clients is the sign of success. Mm. It's like, no, actually the sign of success is having clients who are, who succeed and who are happy with you and who then recommend you to other people and who have created significant transformation in their own life. Yeah. I think that's half of it. I think the other half is your enjoyment of your own experience, which I think you've really done a big work on. And I think that's the thing that nobody, like when I think about what I want to do as a coach, it's like, I want to be the person who's driven and relentless for like, let's build businesses and help all these people. But I also always want to be the advocate for each coach to say, but we're never going to do it at the sacrifice of ourselves. We're going to learn how to build this business feeling and experiencing our life and exponentially growing what's possible. Cause when I think about you making 60 K this year, it's like hundred K isn't even going to be a blip on the radar. Like you could make 200 K next year. And it's like hundred K never had to be a part of that. Like there's no reason to dwell there because you can still work the same amount of hours and you can still make exponentially more money. Cause money doesn't come from time or even skills. Sometimes it's really just skill of mind and the other skills. But I think that's such a, a a thing that I want to make sure I interrupt and say, it's like, yes, you will serve your clients. And that is a sign of it, but I measure our success by your happiness too. Mm, Well said. Um, I did want to, there was something else I wanted to say about self-trust, which is that I absolutely halved the amount of time that I take to make decisions. Ooh, tell me about that. In the last year. Actually, I think I did it twice. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So it's like, I quartered it. Um, So when I first joined your mastermind, it took like two weeks or something for me to finally pull it together. We had to talk on the phone and we had to like, I had to like go through all of this emotional stuff and figure it out. And then when I signed up the second time I was, uh, yeah, I, I hadn't known whether or not I was going to do it, um, until I did. (laughs) And then this third time, um, I was sitting there thinking about signing up up again. And I had the realization, I already know that I'm going to sign up. So the question is how much agony do I want to put myself through before I do it? And that, that was a game changer. (laughs) And so when when I bring that up, because it's such a clear example for me, but like, I see the same thing with like making decisions about my scheduling, making decisions about clients, making decisions about marketing, like it's all sped up because I trust the gut feeling. Yes. And that's such an important thing where it's like, when I think about, when I think about little things that help somebody make more money, and when we think about doubling, it is those simple things. Like, it seems like it would be some big thing. Like I charged more or whatever. And sometimes it is, but it's that willingness to make decisions twice as fast. It's that willingness to trust yourself, even when sometimes it doesn't work out, right? It's sometimes it's that self-trust to say, I'm willing for it not to work and to keep going. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes we double our business because we just commit to like, as soon as I start to feel panic or whatever, right. I'm going to be like, oh yeah, something's happening. Right. So it's like, it's these little things that we add and take away that add up in such a big way. Yeah. I definitely go into new endeavors now thinking I am willing to be bad at this Mm. because I know I'm going to be bad at it first and then I'm going to get better. So I, I think my willingness to accept the difficult part has also increased. Yeah. I don't know if it's doubled. Let's say it's doubled. (laughs) We're going to decide it's doubled. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And that's such an important thing. Cause it's like, when we try and go into it and just assume we need to be great at it. I think that's something that will go with you. It will with the rest of your business growth, right? Cause there's never going to be a point. Every bit of it's going to change next year. You're going to have two offers. And it's like, it's going to be, your brain is going to invite you to say, oh, I should already be perfect at this. But really it's like, no, you're going to, you're going to learn a new balance of how do I sell two things at once? How do I sell this new thing and work on my mind? And that grace of Yep, I'm going to suck at first until the minute I don't. And that willingness to let that be. What are some of the other things? Because I really think the stuff we don't double, the things we have, the things we decrease really matter. What are some other things that you decreased that you just committed to? I don't want to, I don't want to even take, even if it wasn't a double, it was like, I don't want to take this same amount with me as I grow. I definitely mm-hmm. want to reduce it. What are some of those things you purposely reduced? 
Hmm. Anxiety over being coached and feeling like an outsider. Hmm. Um, I came into the first, my first mastermind with you, absolutely terrified, feeling like I was going to do it all wrong. I came in and decided that everybody was better at this than I am. And they'd all been doing it longer. And they all had like, I'm not certified. I plan to eventually get certified through Martha Beck. Um, but I decided to wait because I was like, I don't, that's not the investment I need to make yet. Um, but everybody else was certified. It felt like, and, (laughs) uh, you know, I made a lot of assumptions around the experience other people were having and, uh, yeah, at some point I just decided that I, that actually was also about acceptance of being bad at it. I was like, I am going to go and be coached, even if I don't know if I'm asking this the right way. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say it badly. And I trust that Elizabeth will figure out what I'm asking. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But definitely, yeah. Willingness to be coached, feeling like an outsider. I I for sure cut in half. Um, Time working outside of business hours. I will admit that sometimes I break my own rule and I check my email at night. Like I do. (laughs) Um, I try really hard not to, but uh, sometimes that old anxiety rises up and I'm like, but what if my clients need me at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday? <laughs> um, yeah, Cause that was and- one of the things we have to was like, you believe yeah. I need to always be available. And I was like, you don't. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. I remember that now. Oh, oh yeah. That was a bad time. <laughs> that been don't do really- that everybody. <laughs> yeah. Cause that would have been really hard. Like you keep growing your business with that belief. I have to always be available. And now you've just created that, right? Like hardness of business with your own belief. Well, the other thing about always being available is that um, you're kind of creating problems. You're looking for trouble. You believe that your clients are going to have issues and you're teaching them that their issues are so important that they have to be dealt with right now. When what I actually wanted to be teaching them was that like, these are problems which will be worked out eventually, as long as you just keep putting time and effort in consistently. So practicing what I preached, like I limited my availability. Um, let's see. I also wrote down that I, yes, I did make a list. Uh, I wrote down that I halved my stress over attracting clients and stress over money generally. Yeah. I think coaches always have to do work on money. I think about Mm -hmm. that at each layer where it's like, sometimes I, I find myself thinking the thought about $10,000 where I'm like, meh, it's not that impressive. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Elizabeth stuff. Like, let's remember what 10, like, right. It's like, we're always doing this work where our thoughts are tilting one direction or another. And we're just purposely directing them. We're like, uh, no, let's not forget that, that that's fun and amazing. And yeah, I think that's so cool. I think it's, it's such a fun lens to look through business at, even if we can't know exactly, I mean, we know for numbers, like clients money when we double or when we half, but there are so many um, subjective variables, like decreasing the stress around signing clients. And it's like, those are the things that add up that make the business that you want. So Susie, one of the things I'm curious about is when you think of 2022, this is my last question for you. Um, what, tell me what you're going to create for yourself. Now it might be money. I think a money goal is awesome. I think those are fun, but I also want to hear the experience of your business that you're going to purposely create in 2022. So what does that sound like for you? Well, right now I'm doing, um, thought work around the idea of group coaching. So I love working with groups. I love it. One of my gifts is group facilitation. I am a trained theater educator. It's something that makes me so very, very happy. So very early in my business, I started trying to do group and it was an absolute failure because I didn't know how to sell yet. Um, And it was nothing to do with the product. The product was great. Like the product is, you know, the process is exactly what I do now. Um, But I, I thought there was a limited number of clients and I didn't know where to find them outside of a few specific channels. Yeah. And you didn't know how to keep going when your brain told you those thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. So right now I am doing thought work around creating a group. Uh, so I will, that will be my other offer in 2022 is I'll, I'll do a group and I think it will be really fun. 
Um, I like how you're like, I think it might be, I'm not completely sure yet. Well, that's why I'm doing thought work on it. <laughs> because like yeah. the reality is it will be fun because I freaking love doing group, but, um, but I've spent so much time selling myself on only having one offer that I now have to sell myself on having two offers. <laughs> I hear you. I know it's, that's the work. And now you're going to have to sell yourself on both are great. And yeah. at first you just have to sell yourself that one is great. <laughs> Okay. How much money do you think you're going to make? How much money are you committed to focusing on creating? So I want to, I'm thinking of it more as like a half thing than a doubling thing. I want to, since we started working together, I have made, let's see. Well, at this point, definitely 50 K. Um, and so I want to commit to doing that in half the time and make 50 K in the first six months of 2022. Um, yeah, I think it would be fun. Um, and I don't, I don't have a goal for the year yet because I just really want to be excited about making, you know, cutting the time in half yeah. that it takes to make 50 K. That's perfect. I, right. Cause it's like, I think sometimes we, I, I like that you say that. Cause it's like, right. Sometimes we create this idea that there's some perfect goal of like, Oh, obviously the goal should be for the whole year. And it's like, no, I just have a six month goal. I'm just gonna, I'm going to make 50 K in six months. And that's all I'm going to think about. Yeah. I, I, that goes back to that hundred K thing, right? Like somehow we have collectively decided that that is the perfect goal and that is the legitimate number. And that's yeah. when you're a success. Um, but you know, if I, if I don't hit 50 K, which I, I will totally hit 50 K in the first six months next year. But if I didn't hit 50 K, um, I would still have my business. Like my business isn't going away. I'm still going to be making a good income. Like it's going to be fine. And what are the pieces? Like you don't want to just make 50 K in six months. What are the other variables of the experience of business you're choosing? I want to enjoy signing my group. I want to meet twice as many people as I've met in the last year, probably by going to, I mean, everything has been virtual for me. So I'm, I'm actually thinking about doing, um, either a free or very accessible live workshop, uh, to meet more people and, um, yeah, I, I would like to start meeting people in person again this coming year. And I think that will be really fun and it will be different and it will activate different parts of my brain. And I will enjoy that. Um, I also want to keep up with the number of one-on-one clients I have now. I have 15. Um, and I used to think I wanted 20. And then I realized the reason I wasn't signing more is because I didn't want 20. (laughs) Like (laughs) I like having 15, 15 is like a really manageable number for me right now. And it feels like a sustainable number that I can keep while running my group. So I would like to, uh, keep my clients at 15 and add the group. Yeah. And there are other pieces you're not saying, but it's like, you want to keep not working a bunch after hours, I bet. Oh yeah. 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 Like uh, that was the other thing is I want to do all this while I'm maintaining the lifestyle I have now, which is incredibly self-indulgent and it's delightful. (laughs) Right. Cause (laughs) it's it's like, this is the part we have to be really clear about for people. It's like, I'm going to double my business. I'm going to make twice. I'm going to make the same amount of money in half the time. And I'm going to keep doing it while I make like, like not working a bunch, not stressing myself out, not doing it with the, fueling it with pressure. And it's like, yeah. that's the part that makes it really remarkable. Yeah. And also, I mean, when I, when I say it's really self-indulgent, I'm joking because it's not self-indulgent, it's self-care. And I'm not talking about my family responsibilities because one of the things that we don't talk about enough is that when you're a coach, you're probably working at home and therefore a lot of the household responsibilities will end up falling on you. Um, so maybe for you, that's not what happened to me. (laughs) I hope that's not happening to people. I think I might, I think I might act like a jerk though more where I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, for us, it's, it's purely logistics because my husband has an hour and a half commute to his job Uh, and he's, he goes, uh, he goes into work three days a week and works from home two days a week. And my daughter goes to a Catholic school. So I have to drive both of them. And that takes up a lot of time, man. Like, (laughs) um, my, uh, one of my, so I achieved one of my major life goals this year, which is that I hired someone to come and clean my house every two weeks. It's amazing. 
so great. Um, and one of my goals for next year is to buy a second car so that my husband can drive himself to the train station in the morning. Nice. (laughs) And that's the kind of like self-care goal I'm focused on is like things that are going to make the machine run better over it all overall so that I can actually enjoy my family, enjoy the work I'm doing. Yeah. I think those are really important things because I think that we have such different problems that we run into when we work from home. It's like, I remember thinking working from home was going to be so great. And now I'm like kind of miserable where I'm like, are you kidding me? I haven't even, I don't even leave the house. Like I need to go talk to people that aren't on the computer. And you just, you, we have different problems and different things that we solve for and they're all real. And, or like, I think people are more likely to clean the house because they keep looking at the house and yeah, it's like, this is part of it. This is part of the growth is like balancing and working through all of it. Well, when I say too, that a lot of household responsibilities end up falling on you when you work from home. It's also, it's a matter of your family's perception of your work and your own self-perception of of the work. Like until one of the reasons I think a lot of people want to hit hundred K is because it's such a nice shiny number that you can tell people. And then it's like, look, I'm bringing all this money into the household. I am so legitimate. Um, This is my contribution. Uh, But when people don't people don't necessarily understand how running a business online works. They don't understand how much time and effort it takes. Um, and they automatically assume that you will have time to wash the floors and that you'll be interested in doing that. And that will be the best use of your time instead of playing animal crossing, which is just not true. It's just not true. I think that's such a great point. Cause right. We run into other people's opinions. Like my mom, regularly apologizes to my husband because I don't clean more. And I'm just like, so appalled (laughs) that she like, like, I I just make it so personal against me where I'm like, seriously, you don't see, like I built this business. I'm really amazing. And all you think about is whether I clean or not. And it's like, like, we aren't just building businesses. We're, we're like, we're going up against norms and we're going up against our family's opinions of what we should do and how we should look. And it's like, it's all work we do as we build a business while like affirming our own selves, like, nope, this is good. And I'm amazing. And this offers works. And it's like, we do the biggest work on ourselves as we grow businesses. Mm-hmm. So the biggest form of biggest form of self-improvement. <laughs> yes. Building a business. I agree. <laughs> yep. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Susie, for coming on today and sharing your journey and your growth. And I know that hearing this is going to inspire everybody listening that they can grow to, and that this isn't supposed to just be some, you know, like I have the, I wanted the result and I have it, but it's genuinely a journey. And it is the work we do on ourselves as coaches and really that it's possible. So Susie, somebody on this podcast, while they should all be coaches, some of them might know somebody who needs a career coach who, how can they get in touch with you and learn more about you? So my website is the narrative solution, um, narrative as in stories, because a lot of my work is based on retelling ourselves stories, telling new stories to, and about ourselves. So the narrative solution.com. And you can find me on Instagram at the narrative solution or on Facebook as Susie McSolo, which is a combination of my two last names, McClellan Solovive. Love it. So good. Thank you so much, Susie and everybody for the podcast. We'll see you again later. Hey, who's your business coach? If you don't have one, I'd be honored to help you grow your coaching business. I have a daily practice that'll help you feel powerful, focused, and comforted in the discomfort of growing your business. This mental routine will help you create any goal you're working on. Sign up for this free training at elizabethsalazarcoaching.com. Just like this podcast, it's free. I'll see you over in your inbox.